Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and we are here together listening to some of the music of jazz history, and these are some of the highways and byways we are exploring. Today, we're going to be listening to the music of a college band, believe it or not, but this is one that went on to become a very noted professional organization, almost unchanged. Very great rarity in the big band era of the 1930s to have a band uh, have uh, a level of consistency in its personnel the way this one did. This was the band led by trumpet player Erskine Hawkins, who later became known as the 20th Century Gabriel. He was a very showy, flashy, technical trumpeter, kind of uh, in the Harry James or Ziggy Elman style, uh, which was unusual for, a, for an African-American player at the time. Uh, but he was a very good band leader. Uh, he did some capable jazz playing, but he very wisely left uh, the bulk of the jazz trumpet playing to his section mate, Wilbur Dud Bascom. We'll be talking about him in a minute. So this band is called Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians, and uh, these were all or mainly musicians who were uh, students at uh, the State Teachers College of Alabama in the early 1930s. They met there and started playing together in this band. I guess it was a band that had been around for a while, and Erskine Hawkins took it over in about 1932 or so. He was born in 1914, and most of the members of this group were about the same age. Uh, just a quick range of the personnel here, we have, as I said, Wilbur Dud Bascom on trumpet and his brother Paul Bascom on tenor sax. Uh, they were both from Birmingham. They were part of a large family who started playing music, and both of them uh, played quite extensively in later years, although uh, Dud Bascom especially was extraordinarily loyal to uh, Erskine Hawkins and stayed with him from the early days in the early 1930s up to about 1950 or so. Also have a fellow named Sammy Lowe, who was the trumpet player. He might have been the first trumpet player, I don't know about that, but he was the arranger, chief arranger for the band, especially in the early days, and you'll hear a lot of Cy Oliver influence in these arrangements. It's a very Lunsford-like two-beat feel to a lot of these things we're going to listen to today. We also have on baritone sax, Haywood Henry, clarinet and baritone sax, although he didn't play a lot of clarinet in the early days. A uh, very, very fine player, one of the first players to uh, feature or be featured on baritone sax in a saxophone section uh, other than Harry Carney. Uh, most bands in the middle to even to the late 1930s didn't have a regular baritone player. They had uh, two altos and two tenors and maybe one of the altos would play Barry but uh, Henry said later in life that he got tired of playing tenor and he just wanted to play the lower notes so he would transpose the arrangements especially the stock arrangements they played which were for tenor sax to baritone sax and gradually people like Sammy Lowe and some of the other arrangers like uh, Bill Johnson and uh, others started actually writing parts for him. So that was uh, just some of the personnel uh, that were part of this uh, Alabama Teachers College uh, band called the Bama State Collegians. They started touring about 1934 or so and even made a, a brief foray up to New York City where they did well enough to, to keep playing in upstate New York before they returned to school. Uh, by 19, early 1936, they had decided to make the jump to New York permanently, and they ended up... Uh, passing an audition at the Savoy Ballroom, where they alternated for a while anyway with Chick Webb's band, and they became quite well-known. They weren't the hard-driving, stomping band that Chick Webb had. It was a little more um, relaxed, I guess you'd have to say, and a little more subtle along that uh, Jimmy Lunchford style, and even in their repertoire, which we will hear, which tended to be a little bit more retro, but very good playing nonetheless. So the recordings we're going to be focusing on today are from July 20th, 1936, 
to February 25th, 1938. These were all made for the Vocalion label. They were all done in New York City. Following that, uh, in the summer of 1938, uh, the band signed to Bluebird, uh, the RCA Victor subsidiary, and recorded extensively for them up through the end of the 1940s. And Erskine Hawkins, at that point, began uh, his billing as the 20th Century Gabriel and his orchestra. And we may do a... uh, podcast uh, doing a selection from all of those recordings a little bit later, some really fine jazz. But the uh, first one, two, three, four, five sessions for Vocalion are kind of lean, I'd have to say. They uh, uh, have a band that's pretty hungry and was obviously coming to play and obviously enjoyed playing together. And as I said, most of the musicians in this band stayed together for 15 years or so. It's a very, very loyal band. Apparently Erskine Hawkins was very good to work for. He was considered a very good musician, even though some of his high note trumpet playing gets a little wearing after a while, but um, certainly a good uh, musician and a good sense of his orchestral direction. So the first session from July 20th of 1936 was devoted to four pop songs and uh, probably wasn't what the band really wanted to do, but this was to gauge popularity, I guess. And we're going to hear two songs from that session, but we're going to start out with the first tune from the second session to give you a little bit more of a, an idea of what they did as a jazz group. This tune came from September 8th of 1936, and it was called Swinging in Harlem. And it was a, an original tune by Sammy Lowe and an arrangement as well. And uh, you get to hear a little of the Lunsford influence. We're going to hear Bill Johnson on alto sax, I believe Robert Range is the trombone soloist, and uh, Paul Bascom on tenor sax. Paul Bascom had a kind of a chewberry type approach at the time. Then we're going to go to that first session and hear two of those pop tunes. First, it was A Sad Night in Harlem, which features a vocal by uh, the second alto sax player, Jimmy Mitchell, and he had a more of a romantic style, and he was with the band for quite a while. And then we'll hear a cover of the uh, Andy Kirk and Faye Terrell song, uh, It Will Have to Do Until the Real Thing Comes Along. And this will feature a singer by the name of Billy Daniels, uh, who recorded four or five things with the band. I'm just taking this one. His uh, approach is a little hard to take at this stage with a very high tenor uh, singing that was very popular at the time uh, and stayed popular all the way into the 1950s with black bands. But uh, that'll be enough of that. So those are the first three tunes. Then we're going to finish up with a true jazz classic, something by uh, Horace Henderson called Big John Special. That's also from September 8th of 1936. And we'll hear some Dud Bascom on trumpet on that one. And uh, the piano player, also from Birmingham, Avery Parrish, who later became better known for his blues uh, playing on After Hours. So those are our first two tunes. Uh, Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians. Swinging in Harlem, it was a sad night in Harlem, until the real thing comes along, and Big John Special.
sad night in Harlem. There was no moonlight in Harlem. The gal he loved, she had gone far away. Gone with the dawn, gone to stay. There was no farewell, my lover. She stole away undercover. And while she's one of those queens down in New Orleans, it's a sad night in Harlem.
So that was Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians from 1936. We started out with Swingin' in Harlem, and we ended up with Big John Special, both recorded of Ocalion on September 8th of 1936. Let me tell you the personnel on this band. We have, on the high note finishes, and I think sometimes on some of the more bombastic muted solos, which we'll hear coming up, we have Erskine Hawkins on trumpet. Uh, he did some of the arranging, too, we're told, and I'm not sure on what. Uh, in the trumpet section, we have Sammy Lowe, who was the, maybe it may have been the first trumpet player, but was the chief arranger, certainly. And then Wilbur Dud Bascom doing the other trumpet solos, and in the section, Marcellus Green, also on trumpet. In the trombone section, we have Edward Sims and Robert Range. I believe it was Robert Range who played the trombone solos. We heard a nice muted one on Swinging in Harlem. Then in the saxophone section, we have William Johnson, who was one of the, the few principal members of the band not from Birmingham. He actually had joined the band uh, when they came to New York, apparently. He was from Florida, and he was a very good arranger and also an excellent player. His uh, section leading made him sound quite a bit like uh, Willie Smith with the Lunsford Band, which was in keeping with the Sammy Lowe arrangements, and his solos tended to have a little bit of that and also a little Johnny Hodges as well. Playing second alto and singing was Jimmy Mitchell. We heard him singing on uh, It Was a Sad Night in Harlem, which was the second tune we heard. Then Paul Bascom was playing tenor sax. So there was good sort of Chewberry type of, of, of sounds that he had, uh, especially that full chorus on Big John's special. Um, Bascom, Paul Bascom, left the band uh, at some point in the middle part of 1938 for some reason. Uh, we're told he went to play with Count Basie to sub for Herschel Evans, who was sick, and he was. Uh, Herschel Evans died at the end of 1939, uh, I believe, um, and uh, Bascom may have replaced him briefly and may have just done a long-term substitute uh, or on-call substituting for him, uh, but by... Uh, the uh, middle part of 1940, I believe, he was back with the band, and uh, we'll, as I said, do a, uh, a little bit of a, a podcast with some of the leader uh, Erskine Hawkinsides later on. He had a very different style in his replacement, Julian Dash, who was a much lighter style player. Anyway, uh, we also had, as I mentioned, Haywood Henry on clarinet and baritone sax. We heard a little bit of baritone sax there on Swain and Harlem and uh, a couple of other things. We'll hear some clarinet as well. I think we heard a little on It Was a Sad Night in Harlem. And in the rhythm section, we had Avery Parrish, another Birmingham fellow, good solo on Big John's special, William McLemore on guitar, Leamy Stanfield on bass, James Morrison on drums. I believe they were all from Birmingham. And uh, as I said, the second tune, It Was a Sad Night in Harlem, featured Jimmy Mitchell on vocals. And the third tune, Until the Real Thing Comes Along, featured the high note antics of Billy Daniels. And uh, those two were recorded on July 20th of 1936, the band's first recording date. So now we're going to go on and uh, play another tune from that September 8th uh, recording session. We're going to hear a tune called Swingy Little Rhythm. And that's a collaboration between Erskine Hawkins, Bud John or rather um, Bill Johnson, and one of the Bascoms. Not exactly sure which Bascom they refer to. It could be either one or both, perhaps. But Swingy Little Rhythm, which will feature a good baritone solo by... Um, uh, by Haywood Henry, and also a trumpet solo by Dud Baskin, leading one to believe it was he who was the composer. Then we're going to go to April 19th of 1937, jumping up a good part of a year there, still for Vocalion in New York, and uh, two tunes that were very retro at the time. We have Way Down Upon the Swanee River, a Stephen Foster tune, which had been recorded by... Um, 
the Lunsford Band and others as well. Uh, I had a little bit of a, of a renaissance. And then a pseudo-spiritual, I guess you'd have to call it, Dear Old Southland by Creamer and Layton, which came from the late 1920s. And there's some good solos on there, particularly Paul Bascom on tenor sax. Then we're going to uh, play a, a Bill Johnson original called Uproar Shout, and that has some very interesting orchestral effects in there. He was taking his cue from Sammy Lowe and some of those Lunsford-style arrangements. They were obviously listening to Cy Oliver and uh, Edwin Wilcox, who were doing some of the charts for Lunsford in, at the same time. And we'll hear some fine Barry playing and also some very good piano playing. Avery Parrish was known as a boogie-woogie piano player, but he was a good deal more, too. He could play some older-style stride, and he also could play some good bass figures, as you'll hear there. Then we're going to finish off with the Isham Jones tune, I'll See You In My Dreams, which is a, uh, a nice dance band arrangement from the next section, uh, section, August 12th of 1937. And all of these are with the same band. The band did not change from its first date in, in uh, July of 1936 all the way up to the middle part of 1938. That's some kind of a record, I think you'd have to say. So this is Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians from 1936, 7, and 8. Swingy little rhythm. Why, uh, or way down upon the Suwannee River. Dear old Southland, uproar shout, and I'll see you in my dreams.
some very hot playing and some very precise playing, too, by what was essentially just a post-college band. Most of these musicians were in their very early 20s. Uh, kind of an interesting thing that they had played together for so long, and they stayed together for so much longer. We started out this set of the Erskine Hawkins Bama State Collegians Band, recording for Vocalion in New York, with... Swingy Little Rhythm, and that came from September 8th of 1936, featuring baritone saxophonist Haywood Henry, a really underrated player. If he'd gone with one of the major bands, he probably would have become much better known. He did uh, do some substitute work with uh, Ellington's band a little bit later in the 50s and 60s when Harry Carney needed some time off. He was the call to go in and do that. He also played in some small group sessions with uh, Earl Hines and others. He played some rhythm and blues. And he, along with several of the other musicians in this band, ended up recording uh, several times in the 60s with James Brown's band um, on several of his albums that featured big bands as well. We also heard, as I said, Dud Bascom on trumpet on that and Avery Parrish on piano. Then we heard those two kind of retro numbers, Way Down Upon the Suwannee River and A Dear Old Southland. A Dear Old Southland had a particularly nice tenor sax solo, melodic, but uh, well played by Paul Bascom. He uh, was very much under the sway of Chew Berry, although he developed more into his own player later on, and uh, he, with his brother Dud, founded a smaller uh, jazz band that had some bebop influences in the late 40s, but actually morphed over into rhythm and blues, and Paul Bascom had a number of minor hits uh, on uh, United Records of Rhythm and Blues tunes. And uh, after that, we went to the Uproar Shout, as I mentioned. That was a Bill Johnson tune. Had an ex especially good baritone sax outing for Haywood Henry and some more very fine Avery Parish. Then we finished up with the Isham Jones dance number, I'll See You in My Dreams, which I think really points up the Jimmy Lunsford influence. That two-beat influence with the intricate saxophone section, very well played, led by Bill Johnson in that case. Um... It was arranged by Sammy Lowe. The record label, I believe, gives credit to uh, Merle Turner as a vocalist, but she doesn't sing on this one, so we just get an instrumental, which was just fine by me. That was from August 12th of 1937. Features quite a lot of Erskine Hawkins' more bombastic playing towards the end with the triplets and the screaming notes and all that. I think he also did the solo at the beginning. I don't think that was Dud Bascom. That was a little too um, flashy and, and uncontrolled for Dud Bascom. I think, uh, I think I'm right about that. Anyway, we're going to play one more set, and uh, we're going to hear tunes from uh, that August 12th session, one or two tunes anyway, and then we're going to finish up with two or three from the February 25th, 1938 session. All these done for Vocalion Records in New York, Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians. As I said, a few months later, they get a contract with uh, Bluebird Records, the RCA subsidiary, but basically the same band. Not basically, it was the same band, uh, and uh, they continued their, their, their stretch of very good recordings as well. So we're going to start with the venerable Spencer Williams tune, even by then. I found a new baby, a good, clever arrangement of that. And then going to a tune that was uh, recorded by Louis Armstrong a few years earlier. Actually, right about the same time, I should say. Red Cap. The reason I say a few years earlier, it was very much in the tradition of Shoeshine Boy and uh, Lazy Bones and things like that that were popular earlier in the decade. And that will feature another vocal by Jimmy Mitchell. Following that, we're going to hear another retro tune, uh, James Bland's anthem that was the state song of Virginia until embarrassingly recently, called Carry Me Back to Old Virginia. Thankfully, no vocal on that one. 
Then, another tune from slightly earlier day, 1920s anyway, Who's Sorry Now? Good arrangement. Don't know who did that arrangement or the Virginia arrangement. Could have been a collective. Uh, but we do know who did the last arrangement, Lost in the Shuffle, uh, which was a tune that was... Uh, composed by the trio of Bernier, Spire, and Emmerich. Not sure who they are or where they came from, but they gave that tune to the band, and it was arranged by Sammy Lowe, and a very good arrangement it is. So this is Erskine Hawkins' Bama State Collegians. I found a new baby, a red cap, carrying me back to old Virginia, who's sorry now and lost in the shuffle. <laughs> day for you, so don't laugh, red cow, you've got to hustle now, the 815 is due, red cow, red cow, that's what you keep shouting to the throng, 
It's no smell of red cow And yet you have to tote that baggage all day long Whenever folks go on vacation You're at the railroad station Ready to lend them a hand But some of them don't understand That a nickel or two is like a dollar to you Red cow, red cow Save the tips you get for you if you do Then red cap, old chap Perhaps someday you will be calling red cap
great playing, great arrangements by a band that's generally overlooked when you talk about the history of jazz and big bands even. A college band, but certainly better than your average college band by a couple of long yards there. We have Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians and, uh, from 1936 to 1938. And I like how uh, the arranger, Sammy Lowe, or whoever did the arrangements at any time, left so much room for the soloist. It wasn't uh, a choppy uh, type of arrangement. They would have full choruses given to soloists, and we heard that on the first and the last tune, uh, full chorus solos for uh, Paul Bascom on tenor sax. We started out with I Found a New Baby, uh, that old tune even by that point, and uh, that was uh, a nice sort of modern arrangement with some very different harmonies, uh, uh, a full chorus solo by their lead alto player, Bill Johnson, uh, the second eight of which went into a different key, kind of an interesting effect there, intentionally, I'm sure. Then we had a tenor solo, as I said, by Paul Bascom, and definitely a trumpet solo by Dud Bascom. Dud Bascom was, uh, by his own account, a Louis Armstrong fancier at this early stage of his career, but he had a lot of more modern influence, and as the recordings of the Hawkins Band extend into the later 30s and early 40s, he started taking on some very interesting stylistic devices, and you can hear a little bit of the beginnings of that on that solo and I Found a New Baby. Then that pop tune, Red Cap, that featured the vocal of Jimmy Mitchell. Um, that was a Louis Armstrong tune, we're told, and Ben Hecht, uh, the, the journalist and so forth, I guess, wrote the lyrics, and somehow they combined on that. We also heard some very good Paul Bascom there. He was clearly one of the main soloists of the band, uh, and he left right after the last tune that we heard, which was Lost in the Shuffle, another very good solo there, maybe to go sort of tag along with Count Basie and fill in when uh, Herschel Evans couldn't do what he was supposed to do, but I have a feeling he either left the business for a while or went back to school or quite possibly just went with another band. I don't know, but he uh, didn't come back to the band for another year and a half or so and then stayed with them until the middle 1940s. So after uh, Red Cap, we went to Carry Me Back to Old Virginia, a nice two-beat feel with a good trombone solo by Robert Range and uh, a typical uh, outing for our, the leader, Erskine Hawkins, at the end with his high notes and triplets and so forth, very flashy. I'm sure that was a big deal at the Savoy Ballroom. Then Who's Sorry Now, which featured a trumpet solo that I think was by Erskine Hawkins. It was definitely a little bit more measured than the usual, but uh, it sounded a little too bombastic for Dud Bascom, although, as I said, he was a Louis Armstrong fancier, and so he could do that when he wanted to, so possible. And the same with the last tune, Lost in the Shuffle. Uh, it might have been Dud Bascom for the first part, and then yielding uh, to the band leader Erskine Hawkins for the climax of that arrangement. We also had some good piano by Avery Parrish, who uh, was a particularly sad story in jazz. He stayed with this band. He had a great recording of After Hours that brought him quite a bit of fame, although he didn't leave the band. He was uh, playing in a bar, apparently, in the early 1940s, and he was a victim of a bar fight, which left him semi-paralyzed, and uh, he couldn't play after that. Uh, he ended up dying, I think, about 1949, 1950-something like that, but he hadn't played uh, following that, and he had health problems for the rest of his life, which was too bad for such a fine player. This band, as I mentioned, stayed together, largely intact, until World War II intervened and probably dragged a few of them off to the draft, but basically the same band we heard now from 1936 was the same band that you would have heard in 1941 on those recordings, the difference being there were two tenor saxes, Julian Dash, who replaced Paul Bascom, and then Paul Bascom when he came back, and they did some tenor battles a la Lester Young and Herschel Evans. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this program. This is music you don't hear too often, but very well, uh, very well played, arranged, and uh, very well worth hearing again. Erskine Hawkins and his Bama State Collegians. You've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. If you'd like to support us, please do so. We're uh, we're, we're we're still plowing through jazz recorded history with no sign of the end yet. About 300 podcasts and radio shows on the channel. So dig in and hope you enjoy them. So I'll see you. Side.